गुरुर् ब्रह्मा गुरुर् विष्णु गुरुदेवो महेश्वरा गुरु साक्षात परब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः आई बाउ टू दैट इन्फिनिट गुरु आई बाउ टू हिम इन यू द सेइंग टुडे दैट आई वांट टू रीड फ्रॉम दिस बुक कन्वर्सेशंस विद योगानंदा इज अ लॉन्गिश वन and it has to do with something we've been discussing the basic delusions that keep people from finding god there this world is the world of delusion everything we see in a sense is delusion but certain things have the capacity to seize the heart and pull it down to keep it from soaring and these three delusions particularly which we'll get into are the ones that are the most likely to make the they well the thing that we need to get away from is the sense of ego and as i've been saying it's not that you have to get rid of the ego it's that you need to expand it from littleness to infinity certain things keep us tied to the thought of our ego as little our ego is identified by the body our ego is separate from other realities this is um what renunciation is all about renunciation above all should be renunciation of the ego and i say that because so many people who are supposedly renunciates the the last thing they seem to have renounced is the ego well it's the last thing to go for sure but what i mean is that they seem to have emphasized their ego i am the great renunciate look at me the great swami what nonsense until you've renounced your ego you haven't really renounced anything well let me read you this saying here because it's really a very um very pertinent to the spiritual path the master like every great master viewed sex as one of the three great delusions the other two he said are money and alcohol along with alcohol he would certainly have included hallucinogenic drugs had they been as popular in his day as they became later sex he said is a delusion because of its power to draw people into the hope of fulfillment outside themselves where devotees are concerned many are taken away from the spiritual path by sexual desire to the master however everything including personal including every spiritual precept is relative in a sense of directional nothing except god is absolute like saint like saint paul he would have liked to see all live a life of dedication to god alone but he was realistic and worked with the world as it is and with people as they are he had not been sent to serve a society of monks or hermits the world he served included people at every stage of life His mission in fact was to uplift society as a whole and not only a handful of disciples obviously even sincere seekers could not all be realistically expected to withdraw into monasteries he was supportive toward all who sought god like lahiri mohashai his param guru he saw it as his mission to help all who humbly ask for help in their divine quest he himself loved the monastic life but he did not approve of monastic arrogance he wrote scathingly in fact of sadhus 
or holy men who despised as materialists those very people who gave them the food they ate. As it happened, most of the Master's highly advanced disciples either were or had been married. First in importance as he saw it were the qualities of inner non-attachment and inner dedication. Moreover, he did not condemn the natural attraction that exists between men and women. Rather, he strove to purify it so that each might learn to see God in the other. Neither is better than the other, he insisted. They are simply different. Physical attraction between the sexes should be purified eventually to the desire for union with God alone. Even in marriage, then, provided it is a truly spiritual union, the ultimate goal should be divine union. Meanwhile, he urged everyone to see in, the, see in all the one infinite beloved. He once described Sister Gyanamate, his most advanced woman disciple, in these words, I have searched her life and found in it not a single sin, even of thought. Sister, as he called her, had been married before she came to him and had borne a child. Her name then was Edith Bissett. Once, the master told us, when Mrs. Bissett and her husband were both old, the husband had wanted to go on a journey. He hesitated to do so, however, because he thought, we are both going old. What if during my absence she were to... His wife spoke firmly on the matter. What is death? Make your journey now if you want to. Our union, she was implying, is eternal. What do momentary partings signify? At her funeral, the master said, I saw her sink into that watchful state of final liberation. The image here is of a wave sinking back into the divine ocean. She attained her freedom through wisdom, he added. Mine, my way has been through joy. But now you see how the important thing is to purify the heart. What your body is doesn't really matter. One time, Lahiri Mahashai, who in his, this incarnation, he had the role of a householder. And one time he was given signal honor by his, uh, by a, a, a Trilanga Swami, who was one of the great saints in the same city as Lahiri Mosha in Benares or Varanasi. And somebody objected, but sir, how are you giving this kind of honor to a householder? He said he has attained the same thing for which I have renounced even my dhoti, the same level of realization. That freedom inwardly is what really matters. So when you worry about the the various delusions of this world, remember that they all tie into a real purpose. The purpose of it is to free your heart from attachment. You can be free in the midst of involvement. In fact, it's a very interesting thing in Autobiography of a Yogi. It was changed later, but the original um, edition, which we're publishing in our uh, publishing house here in, in Ananda, Sangha, uh, stated that the householder path is the higher path if the yogi can maintain complete uninvolvement in worldly desires. In other words, he didn't say householder, but the, the, fill, the fulfill the, the laws of nature in the normal way. I forget the exact terminology just at the moment, but this is what he was meaning.
What path you follow depends on your inner attachment. It's much harder to maintain that non-attachment in the midst of activity, but if you can do that, you're even stronger. This is, in fact, the ideal of Tantra, which very few people are able to uh, follow and be successful in. I met a master of Tantra one time, and he told people, don't do Tantra, it's a dangerous practice. But he was born with a lot of power. Even as a child, he would go swimming in a river or a lake where there were crocodiles. He was never touched, and people would um, worry about his being there. He said, never mind. If you want to swim, I'll just throw a, a stick. And where the stick lands in the water, you can, it's safe to swim up to that point. Don't go any further. But up to that point, they were protected from crocodiles by his spiritual power. He had that power. He was born with it. But the ideal of Tantra is not to enjoy worldly things, but to be able to, even in the midst of them, not be touched by them. We have to reach that point where nothing can affect us. And if you can do it in one form or another, okay, but it's much safer and surer not to get involved in the first place. And this is why brahmacharya is important. You know, one of the great mistakes in education today, it's okay for boys and girls to mix together when they're children, but during the adolescent years, it's wise to separate them. In a book that I wrote, um, it's called Education for Life. We apply those principles in our schools, in our communities in America. And in the high school years, we try to keep the boys and the girls separate because that's the age when they're becoming self-aware on that level. Better let them get strong in themselves before they come together. On the college level, perhaps it's okay again, after all you you're not trying to make monks and nuns out of them, except for a few. But the fact remains that it's good. I know my guru told me when he was a child, and if, he, if, he, uh, if a girl and he were talking, his mother would say, don't. She knew that he had another destiny, and he understood, so he backed off. It's not what you do with your body. It's what you do with your heart. Be non-attached inwardly. This same tantric Swami, one time somebody said to him, um, his name was Narayan Swami, somebody said to him that surely there are certain things that you cannot say are just a state of mind. For example, alcohol affects the mind whether you like it or not. He said, bring me some alcohol. So the man brought him a big bottle of brandy. He drained off the whole bottle. Hey, that's enough to make anybody drunk. And then he went on to give a long philosophical discourse. It didn't bother him at all. You don't have to be touched by those things. One time Ram Das came, he was the American Richard Alpert, came to Neem Karoli Baba and he'd been taking LSD. Neem Karoli Baba took a handful of these LSD tablets and just swallowed them all. It didn't affect him either. The Ram Das was afraid it would hurt him terribly didn't affect him. You can be above it, but it's safer in the beginning not to try. Don't play with fire. You may get burned, although some people can play with fire and not be burned. But why take that chance? Therefore, it is a good thing to be a renunciate. Therefore, it's a good thing to enter monasteries. But remember, the ultimate purpose of it is to renounce your own ego. 
So if you, in renouncing the world, begin to feel that you're pretty well, pretty hot stuff, you've made a colossal mistake. You're more in delusion than you were before. You should be more humble than others. I know one time I was lecturing to a woman's college in Shimla, and the, the uh, directors of the school said that I was taught when I was a girl that when I meet a Swami, I should always uh, namaskar and bow before him. And she said, in that spirit, we welcome you. And so they all namaskar to me. And I said, if you are bowing to me, you're making a mistake. If you're bowing to the principle of renunciation, I myself bow to that too. But as long as we're bowing, I bow to the Divine Mother in you. Why take it always in one direction? Whenever, as I told you before, whenever we would touch Master's feet, he would always put his hands like this, very, very gravely, and just direct our devotion to God. He never accepted our devotion, our honor, our respect for himself. And on the other hand, he gave respect to all, because he saw that same God, that same one beloved in everybody. Well, this is what the spiritual path is all about. But basically, it's not a negative thing. It's not a matter of, I don't do this and I don't do that. How many people um, pride themselves on their, uh, on their spirituality because they don't do one thing or another? That's not what it's about. What you do do is important. Do you love God really? If you love Him, it's much less important what you do outwardly. But it's better to be true inwardly and outwardly. The important thing is, God watches the heart. I said to Master one time, I wrote him a note asking him to help me to bless me with more devotion. And he looked at me quite seriously later, and he said, God watches the heart. In other words, you can ask for devotion, but you've got to ask for it, really, with your heart. What you plead for inside is what God watches. That's what he wants of you. Don't worry about the cloth you wear. You can be a Swami and still be riddled with attachments and desires. Master mentioned how he saw sadhus fighting over blankets in the Himalayas. What kind of non-attachment was that? But if you can be just free in yourself in all circumstances, and whatever comes of itself, let it come. There's a lovely account in the life of Swami Ramdas, who he was in Dakshineshwar, and the temples there, I can tell you, that, not the temples, the mosquitoes in that temple of the Kalibadi there are uh, elephant mosquitoes. They're big mosquitoes, and they really attack you in large numbers right there on the banks of the Ganges. And uh, this Swami who was with him was beating at these things and suffering and thinking, why don't they let me sleep? And Swami Ramdas, I have to hand it to him, I could not be that kind of a hero. He was saying, why don't you be grateful to them? They're keeping you awake so that you can call God's name. Isn't that beautiful? Everything could be positive if you turn it toward him. One time after Master got his, his uh, retreat in, uh, not retreat, but his beautiful lake shrine, like a worldly paradise in Pacific Palisades in, in uh, California, and there were gnats there who kept getting in my eyes and ears and nostrils. and You know the kind. 
And I said, sir, look at the irony of it. Here we're in this beautiful place, and we can't enjoy it because of all these pests. And he smiled. That's God's way of keeping you always moving toward him. Always praise God in your heart. Love him. I like this song which I wrote for St. Francis. Lord Most High, all our lives we give to thee. Live for God in that way and be free. Joy to you. Lord Most High, our Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to thee. All our labors, all our joys and woes, all our pleasure, all our melody. Make us each a channel of thy peace. When in darkness, guide us from above. Where there's sorrow, may we sow thy joy. Where there's hatred, may we share thy Lord Most High, our Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to Thee, all our labors, all our joys and woes, all our pleasure, all our Yeah.